today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. What's missing here is in this 27th chapter, we don't see Isaac as a man of prayer. We don't see him as a man of worship. He's not seeking God. He's not building altars. He's not drawing near to the Lord. Listen, this is a great distinction because he's not a man of the spirit. He's a man of his senses. He's not seeking God to find out what God wants. He's using his senses, the ones he has left. He's relying on his sense of smell. He's relying on his hearing. He's relying on tasting the stew here. He's relying on touching to determine what he wants. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Genesis. We are surrounded by the sights and sounds of life every minute of every day. And every day we make hundreds of decisions, large and small, based on the five senses that we have. This decision-making process is second nature to us, and we've become dependent on it. Today, Pastor Gary uses the example of the carelessness of Isaac to warn us that our senses can deceive us. Some decisions are much too important to base on what we can see or taste or touch. Only God can see all aspects of a given situation, so we should always seek His insight and wisdom first. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary for part one of today's message entitled, A Web of Deception. Genesis 27 is where we are. Let's turn there together. If you would open up your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis 27. Uh, We come now to part two of uh, the story of a flawed family between Isaac, Rebekah, and their twin sons, Double Trouble, Jacob, and Esau. We talked about the story a little bit last week. We're going to continue the story this week as well. In last week's story, in part one, Jacob took advantage of his brother Esau's hunger. Esau had something that Jacob wanted. Jacob had something that Esau wanted. Uh, Esau had a birthright. Jacob wanted that. He wanted the privileged status, the covenant promise. Esau was hungry. He wanted stew. Jacob had that. So they bartered. They sold. Esau relinquished something of great value for a bowl of stew. Very, very pitiful scene. And the fact of the matter is Jacob did not have to barter for this because God had already predetermined that Jacob, the younger of the twin boys, would be the child of the promise. God made a covenant with Abraham that would be through his son Isaac, that would be through his son Jacob, and it was God's providential choice before the twins were born. The Lord spoke to Rebekah, the twins' mother, and said, I've chosen providentially that the younger will be the one who will lead the older. The older will serve the younger. Jacob was the child of the promise. Jacob didn't need to stoop to this deal to sell the, get Esau to sell his birthright because it was really his anyway. He should have just trusted God and relied on God because God had predetermined it, which makes chapter 27, our story for today, even that much more tragic. Because here it is, God has already predetermined that Jacob should be the son of the promise through whom the covenant would continue all the way down to Jesus Messiah. Jesus would be born of the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the covenant then would be extended to us through faith in Jesus. 
God had predetermined all this, and yet you see in chapter 27 all this conniving, manipulating, deceiving, maneuvering within this whole family, all four of them. They're sinners. They're guilty. We're going to see this in chapter 27. And it's very tragic because in spite of the fact that God has predetermined this, you have Isaac and Esau. He loves Esau more than he does Jacob. They are doing their best to hinder what God has predetermined. Rebecca and Jacob are doing their best. She loves Jacob more than Esau. They're doing their best to hasten the plan of God. They're both sinning. They're not waiting on the Lord. It's a mess. You'll see it with me here in chapter 27. I'm going to read the first 40 verses. It is a long a bit of scripture here, uh, but I felt like we got to see the whole story. Then we'll come back and break it down. But in spite of its length, I think you'll find this family to be very entertaining. So look here at verse 1. It says, When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man. I should probably do an old man's voice. All right, so, I'm now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your weapons, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. I mean, here he is thinking, you know, this could be my last meal. I don't know how much longer I have. Go out and make me some tasty stew just like I like it. So verse 5. Now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look. I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man and I'm a man with smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. And then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goat skins. And then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food at the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find us so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. And then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, well, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he blessed him. Are you really my son Esau? He asked. I am, he replied. And then he said, My son, bring me some of your game to eat, so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him, and he ate. He brought some wine, and he drank. And then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. 
May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him, and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, sit up and eat some of my... He's kind of a rough guy. My father, sit up and eat some of my game so you may give me your blessing. And his father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came, and I, am, and I blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. And when Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? He has deceived me these two times. He took my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, Haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I have made him lord over you, and have made all his relatives his servants, and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. And then Esau wept aloud. I think this story of Genesis 27 can probably be best summarized by the old saying that was first penned by the uh, Scottish novelist of the 19th century. His name was Sir Walter Scott when he said this, Oh, what a tangled web we weave when we first practice to deceive. This is one tangled web. This family here is completely manipulating, deceiving, and being dishonest with each other. I mean, they are in serious need of an intervention by Dr. Phil. Take a look at this family. Dad is, is deceiving one son to bless the wrong son. Mom is deceiving dad with stew that isn't really the stew of Esau's. Jacob is deceiving dad because he's pretending to be his brother. Esau is deceiving dad because he is misrepresenting his brother in many ways. The whole family is just completely messed up. And in terms of intervention, seriously, it's a wonder why God hasn't intervened in this story. I think it's noteworthy. Why is it that God has not intervened? He certainly has on different occasions stepped into human history and challenged a situation so that people don't completely mess up something. He's gracious, and he will oftentimes intervene in different ways, we see through Scripture. But here he doesn't. He just allows this whole story to play out. It's as if God is saying to us, take note of Genesis 27 about how a flawed family has a lot of sin issues, and then examine your own heart and learn what not to do. Now, I don't like for a sermon to just always be about what not to do. Here are the rules of do not do. But between chapters 25 and 27, really from this family, we have a list of things not to do. So they're serving as an example to us, unfortunately a bad example, but there are several things from these chapters that God is saying to us, do not do as they do. We talked about three of them last week when we were in chapter 25, do not show favoritism, because it tells us that the dad Isaac loved Esau more than Jacob. And it tells us that the mom, Rebecca, loved Jacob more than Esau. We're not to do that. It tells us also in chapter 25 that we're not to allow our flesh to rule our life. That's a picture of Esau. He was a man who was hungry and made impulsive decisions based on his appetite. We cannot allow our flesh to rule our lives. Do things in haste that we will regret later. Number three, we saw from the example last week, that we're not to manipulate, deceive, or take advantage of others. That's clearly what's going on in this story as well. 
And then as we come here to chapter 27, for those of you taking notes, it's number four on the list. We're given an example here of what not to do. Don't rely on your senses for decisions that should be made in the Spirit. Now Isaac, the dad in this story, is that example. He's a guy who is relying entirely on his senses rather than on the Spirit. He doesn't get the the direction from God. He gets direction from what he hears and what he tastes and what he touches. Now, the Bible says in verse 1 that he's an old man and he is blind. So he's down one of his senses, but he still has the others that he relies on. And we don't know exactly how old he is in the story. Most Bible commentaries will agree that he's somewhere between 130 to 137. Martin Luther calculated when he looked at the chronology of events, he decided that he had to have been at least 137, but somewhere between 130, 137. He will die, the Bible tells us, at 180. So, you know, everything's relative. He's not as near death as he thinks he is, because even at 137, he's got 43 more years to go. Anybody have somebody like that in your family, where they think that they're dying and they want your sympathy and pity? I had an Aunt Margaret who was always like that. She's like, this could be my last year. I don't know if you'll see me again. She lived like 20 more years. Stop your whining. But, you know, here Isaac, he's like, I could be dying. I don't know. It could be my last meal. Go get me a last meal. Ah." He's got 43 more years to go. But anyhow, even if he's 130, which means he has 50 more years to go, at 130, here's an interesting perspective we need to understand in this story. The Bible says back in chapter 25 that Isaac was 60 years old when his twins were born, Jacob and Esau. So even at 130, his sons are 70 years old in this story. Just keep that in mind. They're 70 years old. Now, the Bible says in chapter 26 that Esau, one of the twin boys, got married at the age of 40. So he's already married. But Jacob in the story is 70 and single. So he's using HebrewHarmony.com. And he's got the profile going. We talked about it last week. Kind of, you know, likes quietness at home, likes the cooking channel, right? Sweaters around the neck, herbal tea, Barry Manilow. That's the guy we're talking about. That's Jacob here, smooth skin, low testosterone, still a manly, normal guy, but he's just kind of on the, on the more homebody side, and he's 70 and single and looking, and he, he's going to get married. We'll talk about that next week, but right now, 70 and single, and his brother, his twin brother is 70 and married, but that's the deal going on here. Now, notice what's missing when we talk about Isaac and how he relied on his senses more than the spirit. What's missing here is, in this 27th chapter, we don't see Isaac as a man of prayer, We don't see him as a man of worship. He's not seeking God. He's not building altars. He's not drawing near to the Lord. Listen, this is a great distinction because he's not a man of the spirit. He's a man of his senses. He's not seeking God to find out what God wants. He's using his senses, the ones he has left. He's relying on his sense of smell. He's relying on his hearing. He's relying on tasting the stew here. He's relying on touching to determine what he wants, not what God wants. And what does he want? What dad wants is for Esau, his favorite son, to be the son of the promise. He wants Esau to get God's blessing. He wants Esau to retain the birthright that Esau already sold. Isaac is sinning against God. He's going directly against what God had already determined because God had already spoken to Rebekah. God already had said before the twins were born that the older will serve the younger. Jacob is the son who is going to receive the promise of this inheritance of the covenant. And Isaac is going exactly contrary to what God has predetermined. And he's sinning, and we know that he's aware of this. Here's why. First five verses of chapter 27, the scene is just between himself and Esau. 
And he just talks to Esau privately. He says, listen, I don't know how much longer I have. I feel like I'm dying. Go out and make me some good stew. Come back and I'll give you my blessing. And verse 5 says that Rebecca overheard this. Now, typically in this culture, and you can see other examples in the Old Testament, whenever a man, a patriarch of a family, was nearing death and he sensed it, it was a very public, open thing where he would gather his family around his bedside and he would begin to pray over and bless and sometimes prophesy over his children and he would start with the oldest down to the youngest. The fact that nobody else is here, that this is just a quiet thing between dad and son, Mom's overhearing but not invited into this moment, which should have been a celebratory moment, is an indication to us that he knows what he's doing is wrong because how many of you understand, most of the time when people do things very secretively, they know that they shouldn't be doing it. And he's doing this thing very secretively because he knows he's going against what God has determined. And Rebecca and Jacob then are going to scheme separately and they're going to deceive and manipulate Because while Isaac and Esau are trying to hinder what God has determined, Rebekah and Jacob are going to try to hasten it. Because Jacob is the child of the promise. Now we'll talk more about them for just a moment. Put that on hold. Notice with me, if you will, that when Isaac relies on his senses to determine the wisdom of God in this manner, that his senses fail him. Our senses will fail us. Notice between verses 21 and 25. Look at the text again, starting in verse 21. He employs four senses to try to make this decision here, this sinful decision. Verse 21, it says, Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you. There's the first sense. Come so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice, now he's hearing. He's using his hearing. The voice is the voice of Jacob. But the hands touching him are the hands of Esau. Jump down to verse 25. And then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. I want to taste the stew that you always make because that'll tell me if you're Esau. And then verse 27. And so he went to him, Jacob did, and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him. Now he's using smell to determine whether or not this is Esau because Jacob had dressed up in all this garb to look just like Esau. And so what is dad doing? He's relying on his hearing, and his hearing says, well, sounds like Jacob. But then he touches and realizes, well, this feels like Esau. He tastes the stew. He says, it tastes like Esau's stew. He smells him, and Jacob's got on Esau's clothes, so he says, it smells like Esau. So three out of four ain't bad. It must be Esau. And the blind guy prays over the wrong son, which actually is the right son, But because of his sin, he thinks he's praying over Esau. And he relies on his senses. And he got the whole thing wrong. He was blind to the fact, not only physically, but spiritually, to the fact that God had chosen Jacob to be the child of the promise. And so Isaac is relying not on the Spirit of God. He's not praying about this. He's relying on his senses to do something that he knows is contrary to what God has already determined. Now, you ever notice how unreliable your senses are? I mean, sincerely, we need to take note from this story. There are some decisions that you and I will make in the course of our lives, some very important decisions. And if you as a Christian simply rely on, what does it feel like? Well, let me just sample it. Let me just get a sense of it. And we rely on our physical senses rather than praying and seeking God and getting His heart on it. We're going to be constantly disappointed because our senses will betray us. Our senses will deceive us, especially the older we get, right? 
the older we get, our senses will betray us and deceive us. Any of you have a cell phone that, of course, has that vibrate on it, and then you put it in your pocket? Have you ever felt the phantom vibration? Where it wasn't really real, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I got a phone call. And then you pull it out, and, oh, oh, my phone didn't ring at all. Put it back in throughout the day. Just, oh, oh, my phone's buzzing. Pull it back out. It's not even a phone call. Come on, let me see your hands. How many of you thought you had a phone call, and you really did? Your sense has betrayed you. I thought your sense of touch was perfect. No, it's not, because our feeling isn't always registering reality. You ever been at home, and other people in your family are at home, and you're just kind of doing nothing, and maybe you have background music or background TV going or whatever it is, and all of a sudden you'll say to somebody, yeah, <laughs> and they're like, I, I didn't call you. You, you. Seriously, you didn't call me? I, I thought I heard my name. Did, you didn't call my name? No, I didn't call you. Really? You didn't call, come on, how many of you thought somebody called your name? Let me see your hand. All right, your hearing is betraying you, right? How many, how many can relate to this? I, I don't know if this is, I think it's pretty common among ladies these days. I know with my wife, man, she just loves the candles, right? So candles are going throughout the house, all right? My life now has been reduced to, this is my life, at the end of every day, turn off lights, blow out candles. Turn off lights, blow out candles. That's all I'm doing. I'm going around every room, turning off a light, blowing out a candle. Turn off a light, that's my life now. Now, how many of you have been in bed? I've been in bed in a deep sleep, and the middle of sleep, woke straight up smelling smoke. Like there's a candle I didn't blow, blow out. I know there's a candle burning. There's a honey. Did you blow, are all the candles? I'd get up in the middle of the night and look for candles because I could swear I'm smelling smoke. I, I've gone through my whole house at night thinking I smell smoke. Anybody else willing to be brave enough to admit that's you? Just me? All right. Maybe just me. You? All right, thank you. Thank you, for, thank you for validating me. It's true. Our senses fail us. They deceive us. How is it that two people can be a witness at the same car accident and have two different versions of what they saw? Because not everything is completely accurate in terms of our hearing. They also have this, or our vision as well. They also have this thing. Now, have you, know, have you heard about the um, mosquito frequencies? Ask your teenagers for mosquito frequencies. Some of them are ringtones now. They've actually, and I got online last night because I'm like, come on, this is bogus. But the deal is there are certain frequencies, the older you get, you cannot hear certain tones. So at staff meeting like a couple weeks ago, I got Mike, our, our worship leader, he's, and he's got like this tone on his phone. He's like, can you guys hear this? And all the younger guys are like, yeah, we hear this. And the older guys like myself are like, I don't hear a thing. I don't hear a thing. And I'm like, come on, yeah, can't you hear this? And I'm like, come on, you're fooling with me. So online, I went online last night, and you can actually click on these different frequencies, and they have them marked by age group. <laughs> they have them marked by age group. And I put on earpieces, and I'm like, come on. And it starts out, here's the tone everyone can hear, and you press that, and you hear this little high-pitched frequency. And then, and then there's a category, all right, 60 and under can hear this, 50 and under, 40 and under. It goes all the way down to like, and so I start down at the bottom, and I work my way up. And I'm like, all right, let's see if I can hear this. Click, nothing. Click, nothing. I'm working my way up the ladder. Nothing, nothing, nothing. This thing is bogus. That's what it is. Actually, I did get to the 39 and under category, and I was able to hear it. That's right. But pretty soon, it'll be over. It'll be gone. We hope 
hope that today's edition of Cornerstone Connection has been a blessing to you. The messages that you hear daily on Cornerstone Connection are produced from worship services at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you live in the Northern Virginia area, we encourage you to join us in person for worship. And if you're out of our local area, you can always watch our services streamed live online. We have both midweek and weekend worship services. To learn more about our service times and our other ministries, log on to cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's cornerstoneconnection.cc. Now, we also want to be sure to tell you how to get a free downloadable copy of today's teaching. Simply log on to our website, where you'll find the complete library of Pastor Gary's messages available for download. Again, that free download is available at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Another great way to stay current with Cornerstone Chapel is to download the free Cornerstone Chapel mobile app for your iPhone, iPad, or Android device. Visit cornerstoneconnection.cc for more information. We wish we could share the rest of this teaching from the book of Genesis, but we've run out of time for today. Next time, Pastor Gary will continue through this insightful study right here on Cornerstone Connection. Hey, you're a wandering soul. Like you've got no place to go, but still you know.